Good morning. Got it on the screen. How will you show hospitality to one another? It's also on the doors. Last week, I shared a message about that. If you are not here, you can get on our website and catch that message and see uh, uh, more about that challenge on July 2nd. That's today. And then two weeks, the 16th. And then two weeks after that, the 30th. We have nothing planned after morning worship and Bible class. And the, the goal, the challenge is for each of us to show hospitality. Uh, take someone to lunch, have, one, have, have someone in your home, uh, however you want to do that. I want to encourage you to be uh, a part of that. Uh, I mentioned Kevin LeRae and his family uh, last week as we were talking about the block party. Uh, and uh, he wants to share some words about how you've been hospitable to him. And we'd planned for that today, and then they've got a little sickness in their family, so we're going to reschedule that, so stay tuned, because uh, you're going to want to hear them. And I appreciate all of those who worked so hard with the block party this past week. A lot of time and effort, money, energy, hospitality. Uh, thank you for that. It's, it's very, very, very good. I also want to encourage you, if you notice, there is in the pews this little form, prayer request form. We had our first night of prayer of the summer this past Wednesday night. We talked about it for those who were in here in the auditorium, but we want everyone to be a part of this. And so that's why you'll see these. And so if you're on the inside of the aisles, if you'll take those and pass it down so that everyone has one, um, you can do that as well. We invite you, encourage you to share your prayer request on August 30th. We're going to have a special night of prayer, and we're going to pray over everything shared, everything that you want to share of how we can pray for you. I truly believe praying for one another is one of the most impactful blessings that God gives us in the way that we can help each other. So uh, please be a part of that. And then next Sunday, we get to finally uh, welcome Jackson and Audrey. If you notice in the bulletin, we've got a little uh, a shower plan next Sunday during coffee time. Uh, they arrived and then quickly hit the ground running, a lot of trips, wonderful things, and so uh, most of those are kind of calming down, and they'll be here, or they're here today, um, but they'll be here next Sunday especially, and so introduce yourself. This is your time to make sure you help them to feel welcome. We're going to continue our study of the one another commands in Scripture today, and we're going to be in Romans chapter 12. If you'd like to open your Bibles, you can follow along there. I mentioned the late uh, Irma Bombeck a few weeks ago. I found this where she made these New Year's resolutions. See if you can relate. Number one, I'm going to clean this dump just as soon as the kids grow up. Number two, I will go to no doctor whose office plants have died. Number three, I'm going to follow my husband's suggestion to put a little excitement into my life by living within our budget. I'm going to apply, number four, I'm going to apply for a hardship scholarship to Weight Watchers. Number five, I will never loan my car to anyone I have given birth to. And then number six, and just like last year, I'm going to remember that my children need love the most when they deserve it the least. Isn't that true? I'm going to remember that my children need love the most when they deserve it the least. We've been talking about the one another passages. Primarily, it starts with Jesus' words, John 13, 34, a new command, I give you love one another. But we also know the fruit of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit living in you, and there's a list of some wonderful things. Do you remember what's first? The fruit of the Spirit is love. 
And then as we've studied, God is also in on this. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9, God himself has taught you to love one another. So God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. It all begins and ends with love. I share that because, and we need to understand this, no one stumbles their way into loving one another. It doesn't just happen when you show up for worship. It is intentional. Solitary discipleship is a contradiction in terms. What I want to do in our study of these one another passages is to take this today, this morning, to a very practical level. And, and, and I was thinking about this, maybe I should have done this a little sooner in this series, but what does it mean to love one another, to encourage one another, to greet one another, to accept one another, to forgive one another? I think we need to address something, understand something, before we can fully implement and obey these commands. And it's the title of our lesson today, we must remember to member. We must remember to member. Now that phrase is not original to me, but you've probably heard it before. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 4 and 5. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body. And look at this last phrase, and each member belongs to all the others. I am persuaded that we cannot excel at any of these one another commands until we understand what it means to be a member. What it means to that each member belongs to all the others. So if you're taking notes, the first point I want us to get, the one another commands are intentional. They're not automatic. They don't just happen. That it's not going to be something that just because you belong to God, this is, is going to happen. You have to choose to do this. Now, we're all about belonging to Jesus, but what we're reading, understanding in these commands, it's also about each member belonging to one another. You know, one of the most unique doctrines of Christianity is the incarnation. That God came in the flesh in the form of Jesus Christ, his son. And we believe that with all of our hearts. But we also understand there's a sense where there is a continual incarnation. That just as Jesus is with God the Father in heaven preparing a place for us, he also promised, I will never leave you. So he's with us every step of the way. Look at Colossians 1 verse 18 from the New Living Translation. Christ is also head of the church, which is his body. That's how he refers to his people, his church. We are his body. In that sense, he's always with us. That means fundamentally the church is an organism more than an organization. And, and, and some of us get that, and some of us really need to be reminded of that. Because I'm all about organization. We understand that. But look at the metaphors of the church, because there's a consistent theme in Scripture. When, when the Bible is describing God's people as the church... It was living things. It was living pictures like the vine and, and the family. Like, like you're a son, you're a child of God. He's our father. We're the flock. Or in this verse, we're the body. The church is the bride. The church is also called the house or the temple. But Peter goes on to explain even in that that we are living stones. 
So we're alive. It's not a structure. It's not a flow chart. It's not an organization as much as it's a people. It's a movement. It's very much alive. And I think this is significant, and we need to be reminded of this because it's typical for a lot of us to think organizationally. Now, I'm an organized person. I like, like, I like to have a plan, and I like to follow the plan. But programmed one-anothering, if I can say it that way, is an organizational attempt to do what should be and, and goes best when it is organic, when it just happens. The church is Jesus' body, and that gives the idea of membership in a completely different paradigm. And I want to challenge you to stay with me today because when it comes to the word being a member, that can be a loaded term. And we may think different things that may not necessarily square with Scripture. In fact, I would suggest most of the ways we use the word member is not the way it is used in the New Testament. And that brings me to the next point. Membership is something to practice, not just place. Let's talk about this for a moment. If you've had any much background in church, you've probably heard the uh, phrase of placing membership or, or have you placed membership? Well, that phrase, that terminology is not found specifically in Scripture, and yet the concept very much is. The idea of placing or having your membership within a body. Somehow there has to be a way of knowing who's part of this church, who's a part of this church family, and who's not. How do we do that? You know, there are several times in the New Testament where the local church, they knew who was a part of their church, who was a part of the body at that place. I was thinking about that. You remember in the earliest days of the church? Some of the widows were being neglected, and that was an issue. One of the first things we read about where things were not going well. But they knew who the widows were. Somehow, the they knew who was a part of that church body. When the churches were uh, uh, established and then later grew to the point where Paul encouraged them to select elders, it was select among yourselves. They knew who was a part of the body. When Paul would write letters to the many churches, he would often mention people by name. I was looking through some of his letters, and I especially went to Romans 16, and I counted at least 25 women and men listed by name, knowing that everyone who read that letter also knew those people. They were part of the body. They were part of that local church. Paul knew it. They knew it. Everybody knew it. He sent greetings, words of thanks, for supplies, financial backing, whatever it was that they were doing, commending them to remain faithful. The point is, somehow everybody in church knew who was in. They knew who was a member there. But what exactly do you think of when you think of the term placing membership? That may be where there's some confusion or where there are some challenges. I don't want to get too technical, but let's, let's think this through for a moment. Place your membership could be understood, or maybe I should say misunderstood, only as an organizational concept. It may be, and it might reflect in your mind, more of a club mentality. Now, most of us have been part of a club at some point in our life. Maybe a booster club, maybe a book club, maybe a civic club, some kind of club. 
And to be a member of a club like that, then to be a member, you've got to attend the meetings. Some clubs even have a minimum number of absences before you know, you're not allowed to be a member anymore. You gotta keep the rules. You gotta pay the dues, and we understand that. And for some Christians, we take that definition and we apply it to the body, to the church, what it means to be a member in good standing. You gotta attend at least a couple of times a month. You, you gotta pay a little bit, pay your dues. You gotta kinda keep your nose clean, you know, kinda not have any scandal in your life. But notice what's missing if that's our definition of member. There is no requirement in that thinking, in that definition, to be in any kind of significant relationship with anyone else in the group. Do you notice that? It's about attending, it's about your paying, it's about your behavior, but there's nothing mentioned about how you relate with one another. If that's our understanding of the church, we're missing out. In fact, we're missing the whole point of being in that significant relationship. Because in that kind of situation, you don't have to know them, you don't have to like them. You just do your part and then you're considered a member in good standing. But if we think like that, we are not living up to this truth that we just read about, about each member belonging to each other, to all the others. As long as membership is just something you place, it's possible for members to lose their place without anyone even noticing. The church is a body. That's what Colossians 1.18 says. Parents, could your child ever come home from school and you have to ask, where's your arm? And your child say, I don't know, I had it at lunch. You know, it doesn't work that way. And you don't even think that way. You cannot lose a member of a physical body and not know it. And keep in mind, Satan is doing all he can to steal members of Christ's body, his church, away. And if you're going to obey the one another commands, we've got to remember to member. We all understand that term belong. That person is a member as the body instead of a club. It's a body concept. It's a family concept. But what does that look like? How do we do that? Well, this is where I want you to have your Bibles open in 1 Corinthians 12. It's on the screen, but I want us to read this because Paul, he kind of goes into an in-depth explanation, kind of simple, and yet it's quite profound of what it means. So follow along with me, if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members... And all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? Where would, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it were, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. 
nor again the heads of the feet. I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which are more presentable parts do not require but God has so composed the body, given greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So if the Holy Spirit led Paul to write so clearly about Christians being the body, members of the body, what does that mean? Why do we need to remember to member? Well, a couple of points if you're following along. Remember to member means, and get this, no one is sufficient. No one is sufficient. Of all days, it's 4th of July weekend. And I was thinking about this because our culture, our country, we place a lot of emphasis on our independence. I do. I was kind of brought up that way. I don't like to ask for help. I want to do it myself. And so some of that is my own upbringing. And I think some of it is our country. We love our independence. The 4th of July. Do you know what we also call that day? Independence Day. If I do the math right, 247 years ago, we signed a document. You remember what it's called? The Declaration of Independence. Independence. We love our independence. We cherish our independence. That independent spirit has served our country well. 247 years ago and even to this day. But think about it. When we bring that independent spirit into the body of Christ, we're missing it. In fact, we're cheating ourselves. We're cheating others. What well, Paul explained so well in chapter 12, that is not how the body operates at all. In the body, there is no sense of independence. And he gives some great examples there. And think about it. We understand the hand exists to serve the body, to scratch an itch, to remove a splinter, to fasten a button, to put food in the mouth. That's why the hand is there. A body part is only valuable as it remains connected to the rest of the body, as it serves the body. And when you cut off that body part, all that part can do is die. It exists to serve the body. Now, consequently, the independent thinking, that self-reliant spirit, I think we all have to fight. I don't need anybody. I can do it myself. That simply is not an option for those of us who are following Jesus. That's not the way we relate with him, and that's not the way we relate with one another. Look how the message paraphrases verse 19, 1 Corinthians 12, 19. I want you to think how this keeps your significance from getting blown into self-importance. For no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you are a part of. The body values participation, not isolation. 
We remember when Jesus was writing the churches in Revelation, and especially the church at Laodicea. But do you remember one of the things he was critical of Laodicea was their sense of independence, their sense of self-reliance. He said, you say, I do not need a thing. And he calls them out for that. That is the wrong thinking, especially if you're talking about the Lord, especially if you're talking about his body. Jesus detests that self-sufficient spirit because there's no place for it in his body. It's not going to serve you well, and it's not going to serve one another well. Christians understand they don't just need to love. They need those they need to love. Think about that. You don't just need to love. You need those you need to love. Number two, remember that remember to member means everyone is equally important. And Paul stressed this in chapter 12. You probably heard the phrase, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And we love that, don't we? That each of us are equal in the Lord. Look again at verse 13. This is from the New Living Translation. Some of us are Jews. Some of us are Gentiles. Some are slaves. Some are free. But we've all been baptized into one body by one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. Folks, the world will never understand this. They will never get it. The world will never appreciate this because the world is all about ranking. You know, who's smarter? Who owns more? Who has more power? That's the world we live in. But in the body of Christ, we leave that out because we're all equal. Everyone is equal. Young, old, new to the faith, old seasoned saint. Everyone is equal. The church... Think about this. The church is where all the differences, all the walls that divide fall. We are one in the body. We are one in the Lord. The church is where titles before your name or letters after your name, they don't apply. The church is where people of all backgrounds, all differences are made. And here's that word, one. We're one. We're equal. That's who we are in Jesus. But not just one or equal, we're members. And, and each member belongs to all the others. Club membership doesn't do that. The world doesn't think that way. In fact, if you already know how to decide who's most important, we all know how to decide who's most important in an organization. It's visibility. Who's up front? Who's talking? Whose names are listed in the program? Who's seated at the head table? Right? We do that by default. It just happens. But that's not the way it works in the kingdom of God. It's all too easy, but oh so unhealthy, to bring this kind of thinking into the church. See, to Jesus, the less seen members of the body are just as important as those who are seen. And he values them. When the church is at her best, it's when we understand that everyone is important. Everyone is equal. Because we're members of a body. We're not members of a club. Each person quietly doing their part, part of the body. The church is truly at, quote, another, pun intended, another level 
when every member is at the same level. Let me say that again. The church is truly at another level when every member is at the same level. What other organization does that? What other thinking does that? There's no club, there's no school, there's no work where everyone's on the same level. The human body gets this. When you get a stomach bug, everybody, the whole body stops and goes to bed until it's over. And when you're over, everybody's back up. We get that. You stump your little toe, the world stops spinning. You would think every nerve in your body is connected to that little bit. You don't understand. Hey, how you doing? How's your little toe today? We don't even think about a little toe until you stump it, and then it's like, uh, don't talk to me because I'm in sheer agony. So until that stops, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, look at verse 25 again. God's goal, members may have the same care for one another. Now, everything I'm saying, this is not a message against programs. It's not a message against organization. I thought about that. We got three days in July that we are as a church programming, organizing, encouraging you to show hospitality. But you know what? It can't be forced. It can't. You have to choose to do it. I'm an organizer. I like to think that way. But it's all too easy to, forget, to, to, to focus on a plan. And what we're talking about here is love and belonging to one another. Because here's what I've come to know. You know this too. Programming can promote care. It cannot produce care. No one can make you do the right thing. No one can make you forgive or make you love or make you show hospitality or make you do any of the one another commands. Number three, remember to member means everyone gives grace. And this is oh so beautiful. What do we mean by that? You know, again, in a club membership, most of our worldly way of thinking and every other aspect that we have to live in because we live in this world, we live in a situation where everybody is an independent person, kind of do your own thing, go your own way, but in a body again, all the parts submit to the will of the whole. When the head has a migraine, the whole body lies down. When the legs go for a walk, the whole body makes a trip. When the taste buds get chocolate, Every cell rejoices, right? You know, something as simple as ear trouble. You know, when your ears aren't right, your balance is off. It's like you can't do anything. You can't think. You can't watch TV. You can't read a book. You, you can't do anything. Well, what's wrong? It's, it's, it's your ears. Well, ears are not supposed to cause trouble. But when they do, everything stops. Look how the message paraphrases verse 12. We each used to independently, independently call our own shots. But then we enter into a large and integrated life in which he, Jesus, has the final say in everything. Isn't that something? You want to know when you get this? Here's a test. A test of your understanding of, of the nature of the church as a body. It's even a test of your own spiritual maturity. A test of how completely you're committed to following Jesus. Here it is. You ready? How well are you able to submit to one another? How well are you able 
to submit to one another. That's one of the one another commands. Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It doesn't say because they deserve it. It doesn't because they've been at it longer than you or they're older than you. No. Out of reverence for Christ. If you can do that, if you can submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, that's a sure indicator that you are making progress in your growth and your walk and your discipleship with the Lord. And if you struggle with this, if this is a problem, this may be why you might be reluctant to place membership. Because at its core might be an issue with submitting to one another. Because there's more verses that talk about this. Look at Hebrews 13, 7. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that will be of no advantage to you. Wow. That's what the body is supposed to be about. And it begins with submitting to your leaders, your elders. But folks, this is not just for Christians to do among other Christians at church in the body. This is a thinking for those of us who belong to Jesus it should permeate who we are even beyond. Look at a few more verses. Titus 3, verse 1. Remind them to be submissive to the rulers and authorities and to be obedient. That's hard, isn't it? But that should characterize who we are as the disciple of Jesus in every arena. Even if your boss is extremely difficult, you submit to the authorities. Because out of reverence to Christ, that's the whole spirit here. Again, that's what he mentioned in Ephesians 5.21. Here's the bottom line. We do not have to have our own way. And we don't have to like the way everything is done. Or the way everyone chooses to do what they do. When a decision is made, if we can look with maturity and say, as long as it blesses the whole body, I'm okay with it. I may not like it. may not be what I would choose. But it's not about me. It's not about my preference. It's about what is building up the body of Christ. That's maturity that not everybody gets to. Sometimes we see this in our 20s and 30s because they want it their way. They want it their way and they're trying to change the church. Sometimes I see that in 60s, 70s, and 80s where they want it their way. Folks, it's not about my way or your way. It's what's good for the body. What's going to grow us in discipleship? What's going to make us more grounded in the Lord? What's going to spread the gospel? What's going to bring others to know the good news? Those are the ways we need to be thinking about this. So how good are you at submitting to one another? Out of reverence for Christ. Mutual harmony, biblical unity is a higher value than personal preference. There's an old Peanuts cartoon. I put it on the screen. I'm not sure if you're going to be able to read the words. Let me walk you through this because it's kind of small. Linus is watching TV. Lucy demands, change channels. And he ignores her, so she repeats the command. And then Linus says, are you kidding? What makes you think you can walk right in here and take over? And so Lucy makes a fist and says, these five fingers... Individually, they're nothing, but when I curl them together like this into a single unit, they form a weapon that is terrible to behold. Linus says, which channel do you want? And then he walks away, looking at his finger, saying, why can't you guys get organized like that? 
folks from the body, when the body comes together in mutual submission, following it out Jesus' agenda, Satan takes note. Because together, we are his church. And do you remember his promise? The gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's our strength. That's our hope, is one another. That's why we need one another. That's why we submit to one another. That's why each member belongs to one another. Satan knows the power of a healthy body. That's why he's so diligent to sow seeds of discord, to cause that inner voice to say, well, I could do it better, or we shouldn't be doing it that way, or whatever it is that's not helping the progress of the kingdom. So much easier to do for Satan to do that when we Christians hold a consumer mindset, have a worldly way of thinking, that club membership, that independent spirit, and he's going to do all he can to discourage you. And he works. Make you want to be self-sufficient to cause you not to see yourself as a member who belongs to all the members. Think about that. When you're even deciding on a Sunday morning to come to worship, your first priority is to God to come and worship Him. But a very close second is that you're coming for others to encourage them, to find a way to lift them up. Because we belong to one another. Remember how this was stated, Romans 12, verse 4 and 5. In Christ, we who are many form one body, so each member belongs to all the others. Ephesians 4, 3 says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. When you are a completely committed follower of Jesus, you get this. Every member matters. The church becomes a priority. Let me close with this. The Bible teaches us clearly the church is the body of Christ. We know that. And here's a question. Put it on the screen. It's on your outline if you fill in the blank. How healthy would the body be if everyone practiced your kind of membership? How healthy would the body be if everyone practiced your kind of membership. Think about that. Our invitation this morning is to anyone who's not yet in the body of Christ. You do that by being baptized. The Bible talks about being baptized into Christ. This passage talks about being baptized into the body. If you've not yet confessed your faith that you believe Jesus is the Son of God, we give you that opportunity this morning. It may be time for some of you to talk with a couple of elders and say, what does it mean to be a part of this church? You don't have to use that term, place membership. But what does it mean to be a part of this church, this church family? And make steps in that direction so you can be members of one another. And may all of us, all of us, we're going to sing this song, think about this, be committed to be members one of another. Won't you come as we stand and sing to encourage. Oh, to